Yes and is a mantra that can be applied to every aspect of your life. These two words are ground zero for all creativity. These two words will help you shut down fear. These two words can change your life if you'll let them. Yes, I'm serious. And this podcast is on a mission to show you how. I'm Judy Holler, the host of Yes And. If Dr. Dre and Amy Poehler had a baby, um, that would basically be me. Listen, if you're looking for a no BS approach to life, business, and your mental health, then you are in the right place. So welcome to Yes And, where we smash comfort zones and navigate the unscripted stage of everyday life together. This is a Soul Fire production. You're listening to episode 65. What's up? Yes, and fam, welcome back or welcome to the show. I'm so glad you're here. And wherever you are today, my deepest desire is that you feel joyful and at peace. And actually, this sort of ties into what we're going to have a little conversation about today, because if there's one tool fear uses to steal. That's right. Steal your joy and your peace. (laughs) It is no doubt perfection. So I want to talk about it and specifically talk about how fear uses perfection to stop you. So there is this great quote by Elizabeth Gilbert that says this, Perfectionism is just fear dressed up in fancy shoes. Let that one sit with you for a minute. Perfection is fear dressed up in really good shoes. So what does that mean? Here's how I interpret that quote. Perfection, it may look pretty. It may even feel pretty when you put it on, but eventually your feet start to hurt even throb at times, and you can't wait to take them off, right? So Lord knows you also can't walk very far in fancy shoes. So you're going to kick them off so you can get back to work. And really, this is life. It's also entrepreneurship, solopreneurship, and it's what the truly successful do. We have the courage to kick off our fancy shoes, i.e. perfection, and embrace the fact that we can get further and move faster in our worn down Chuck Taylors or our cozy as fuck Adidas kicks. Now, it doesn't mean that you're not going to wear fancy shoes from time to time or that you don't ever want to buy some fancy shoes. Lord knows I live for a good shoe, but here's the deal. We don't get caught up in it. Our goal isn't fancy. Our goal is forward momentum, especially, especially, yes, and fam, when you're getting started. And trust me, I know all about the fancy shoes because I, your girl, I am a perfectionist in recovery. I learned, (laughs) it was harder than I thought it was going to be, but I learned how to push perfection to the side, specifically when I started my business, which is how I was able to scale and by the way, stay sane while I was doing it. Do I have high standards? Hell yes. Do I strive for excellence? 
in my business and for my customers with my clients? Fuck yes. But I also allow myself to improvise, to remain true to who it is and what it is that I really am. And that's an improviser first and foremost. This is the notion that we have to stay flexible and we have to be able to embrace the perfectly imperfect things that happen every single day. And guess what? You don't need to go take a fancy improv class to realize you're actually improvising every single day. If you woke up today and you took a breath, if you have a heart beating in your chest, you are improvising every single day. You are moving through environments of uncertainty and you're surviving and thriving through all of that. So we need to embrace this mindset, the improv mindset, specifically as we deal with the dragon and the demon of perfection. So today we're going to break down this idea. We're going to check ourselves. We're going to empower ourselves to reframe perfection. And we're going to start celebrating the guts it takes to take action despite perfection. And there is no one better to do that with than our guest today, the amazing Petra Kohlberg. And I can't wait for you to meet her. But first, you know, it wouldn't be a show if I wasn't shouting out our listener of the week. Okay, so every week I pick a listener of the week if you're new here. And the way you get to be the listener of the week is by leaving a review for the podcast on iTunes. It's legit how we tell our sponsors and Apple that this podcast is making an impact. And it's literally how we get it out to others just like you. So every review on iTunes specifically is gold. And I love you for leaving them. It legit takes one minute. You can write a sentence or you could share a story. Yo, I read them all. And they are like, rocket fuel for my soul. So I want to reward you for doing this by selecting a review of the week every week. And if your review is read on the air, I'm going to send you something special. This week, I'm shouting out Courtney Dial, who left a review. Sometimes I go back into the archives. She left a review October 13th, 2020. She gives us five stars and says this. I can't say enough great things about this podcast and Judy's book, Fear is My Homeboy. She says, I'm in a weird place in my life due to COVID. My career was in catering as a director at a sports venue. And I realized this summer that I was going to have to take a hobby and a skill that I love, jewelry making, and turn it into a form of revenue until we can start to have meetings and events again. The tips and advice you receive in these shows and from the book are so strategic, helpful, and just downright smart. Not smart where you have to be like a rocket scientist to understand, but smart where you realize things that all along you were capable of. Dude, if that is not one of my favorite reviews, I don't know what is. And I certainly am not a rocket scientist. So yes, I love breaking things down into juicy, digestible nuggets of wisdom. And I'm so glad it's helping you, Courtney. So Courtney, thank you for that beautiful review. And do me a favor, send me a DM on Instagram at Judy Holler or email me at hello at judyholler.com to claim your prize. And if you want to be our next listener of the week, all you got to do is take 
60 seconds and leave a quick review on iTunes. Also, this episode is sponsored by the Fear Boss Project. Did you know that I created a workbook last year? Well, I did. And it's oh so badass and it's beautiful. And it was designed by the super talented Samantha Hager. And we have a black and white version and a color version, but the color version is so magical. And I'll link up in the show notes so you can learn more. Yeah, I really wanted this workbook to be a tool that will empower you to live a braver life. Say you've read Fear is My Homeboy. This is the tool to go deeper, right? You can use this workbook independently and work through the exercises by yourself for personal development and growth, or you can use it as a reader's guide with your book club and work through the exercises with your book club every week. This happens all the time and I love it. Or you can use this workbook at work with your team to lead uh, brave conversations and have discussions about fear in the workplace with your team. The workbook has powerful questions, chapter by chapter deep dives, thought-provoking activities. You can scribble in it, write in it, play with it, use markers, use stickers, all the things. It's got inspirational quotes, lifestyle tips, and of course, the same swagger you've come to expect in my work. No matter how you use the workbook, I hope you use it bravely and that it encourages you to keep experimenting with your fear. I'll link up in the show notes, but check it out. It would mean the world to me. Okay. Are you ready for this? I am so excited about today's guest and I cannot wait to bring Petra to the Yes And stage. But first, let me give you some scoop on her. So Petra Kolber is a speaker, an author, a certified performance coach, and most recently, a freaking DJ. And she's in her mid-50s. I am obsessed with her. Uh, she primarily works with individuals and companies to help people get unstuck so they can become unstoppable. Yes, girl, let's go. So in August, 2018, she released her first book, which is the book that I read that made me fall in love with her, which is why she's on the podcast. It's a book called The Perfection Detox. The Perfection Detox. Tame your inner critic, live bravely, and unleash your joy, which was recently translated in Spanish, French, and Arabic. What? She's a two-time cancer survivor. She is passionate about waking people up to the precious gift of time. And check this shit out. In December of 2020, at the end of last year when the world went crazy, she sold all of her shit, put a few items into a storage unit, and started to travel the world as she is on a quest to write her next book. I cannot, I have goosebumps. We definitely talk about this. Her book is going to be called A Woman of a Certain Age. And she's really wanting to have a global conversation about midlife, relevancy, love, and purpose. I cannot. She's officially a digital nomad. And she thinks that by the age of 60, she'll finally settle down and become a grown-up. I hope she never does. You guys buckle up. I cannot wait to share my conversation with Petra, with you. Let's do this. Miss Petra Kolber, I am so excited to have you here on the Yes And Show. How are you? You look beautiful. Oh, thank you. Although we did say you have sequins and I'm definitely going to go shopping uh, this week for some more sequins to carry with me in my closet. But thank you. It's so good to be here. 
Well, I have to tell you, so we started the show and I'm putting on my sequin blazer. And if you're in your car listening right now, I put some sequin on because I was feeling, I was feeling a little blue this morning. Um, and sequin is a strategy. It certainly makes me happy, but I was laughing with Petra. I was like, yeah, I got sequin on top, but don't be fooled. I am standing in slippers right now. So sequin and slippers is sort of, sort of the mood right now. But Petra, I, I want to thank you for your book. Uh, your beautiful book, a book called, and we're going to link up in the show notes, it's called The Perfection Detox. And the sub line of that is take your inner critic, live bravely, and unleash your joy. And when I, well, we 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 have a mutual friend in Aaron King, and then we got to spend some time together on Clubhouse in a room, which was really cool. And of course, got your book, it came and I started reading and devoured and I, I told you this in the DMs when we were communicating about setting this up because I knew I had to get you on the show. I was reading the first few pages of your book and it was like I had found out what was wrong with me. And I mean, maybe I should say what was right with me because I, I guess I had always known perfectionism was a way that fear hides, right? As Elizabeth Gilbert says, you know, perfectionism is just fear in really good shoes. So I always kind of knew it was a part of my life, but you sort of cracked open a door and started explaining it in a way that validated all of the feelings I had been feeling over years of my life and how so much of my perfectionism is really rooted in the way I grew up and the way I keep control in my life. And um, it really just sort of held space for me to look at it as a gift uh, that I could work with, kind of like we do with fear, instead of something I should shy away from or be afraid of. So I just thank you for sharing your story and putting your book out into the world because it really cracked me open. I was like, oh my gosh, this is it. I'm legit a perfectionist. And it's so funny. I said that to my husband and a man's on my team. They're like, well, no shit. Where have you been? And I'm like, oh, well, duh. Everybody else knows this but me. So yeah, I, I'm holding up my right hand. I am officially admitting that I am a recovering perfectionist. I'm a perfectionist in recovery and I am damn proud of that. So thank you, Petra. <laughs> oh, well, that's a testimonial. I can we have to do the second version of the book. We'll put that on the back cover. Thank you. And you know, that's the thing, Judy, it's not that it's good or bad. Perfectionism is just a word until you attach an emotional or a feeling or an expectation to it. So I love that uh, awakening that you had because so many women have said to me, oh, I bought this book for a friend. I'm not a perfectionist. And to your point, yes. when I read the book, I saw so much of myself in mm -hmm. that book. Oh, I love it. And we're going to talk about that. So I want to start with my favorite line in the book, which is in the very beginning. And you write something that is, it is so good. Um, so if you're, wherever you are right now, prepare your heart because this is going to be juicy. Perfectionism is not a disease of the body, but it is a cancer of the spirit. For the listener who is thinking, uh, no, I'm not a perfectionist. I'm going to skip this episode. Let's start there with that beautiful idea. And I'd love to hear from you. How do you, for someone who has no idea and thinks that maybe they're not a perfectionist, how do you define perfectionism? And more importantly, Petra, like what are some signs uh, to know, oh my gosh, this is bubbling up. Maybe I am a perfectionist. So maybe, maybe bring us 
into the journey starting there. Okay, so Judy, I think you, there's two questions there. Yes, One questions. is, you know, there, there's, it's, there are many perfectionists out there and they thrive and they do great and it doesn't um, impact their soul or their dreams or their sense of self. And who I'm hoping to speak to with this book are the people that think that unless it's perfect, I won't share it. Unless I'm perfect, I'm not worthy. Unless whatever my dream is, unless I execute it flawlessly. And that's what happens. We begin to chip away at our own dreams and desires because of the we've put a false assumption of what the word perfect means. So bottom line is perfect is only a word. Your listener gets to decide. So what I'd invite your listeners to think about when you think of the word being perfect, and then there's three areas of our life, right? Judy, that being perfect in our career, our entrepreneurship, our job. Then there's perfection in our relationships, how we show up with our loved ones. And then there's perfection with ourselves. So Many times I've heard women say, well, what happens if I, if I give up trying to be a perfectionist in my work? Am I going to suddenly become, you know, I'm going to lose the C-suite. Am I going to lose my ambition? And I'm like, it's not the perfection that's the problem. It's what is driving your, what is fueling your ambition? Is it fear or is it hope and possibility? Is it self, a lack of self-worth or is I'm here to share my greatness so I can highlight the greatness in others? So I'd invite your listener to consider when you think of the word perfection, either with yourself, with others, with relationship, with your career, do the thoughts that you have around perfection bring you joy? Mm. If they do, don't change a thing. Or do the thoughts around perfection suck the joy out of you? Ooh, and then if funny. that is the answer, like, oh yeah, maybe not at work, but yes, with my loved one, or maybe not with my loved one, but yes, at work. Let's look at that, that conversation through the lens of self-compassion, self-reflection, and not judgment. I love that so much. And I love that three letter word joy so much, because one of the things we do in our business, um, we really use these two words above my head. Yes. And hence the name of this podcast to activate discomfort and joy at the same time. Cause that's really what yes. And means to me, we're saying yes. And here's what I'm going to add on to that. And you even talk about this, this in your book a little bit. Right. Um, and, and, and I think it's powerful because you cannot truly have joy in life. If you're not willing to go through the uncomfortable things required in order to earn it. Right. So you think of anything awesome you have in your life, whether it's a baby you gave birth to or a relationship you have, or your best friend, like you had to do the uncomfortable thing in order to earn it. Giving birth, not comfortable. Awkward first dates, terribly uncomfortable. Like asking someone to be friends, super awkward, but you do this to earn and activate joy. You move through discomfort to activate joy. And so you could have someone listening right now, and hopefully I'm understanding this right. If your perfectionism is stealing your joy from the process, then maybe it's time to take a look at the problem, right? So you're a writer and you're writing a book, but you're miserable and you're making yourself sick and you're getting migraines. Okay. What are we doing to ourselves here? Is that, am I kind of understanding that right? Absolutely. Okay. And the thing is it can change in your life. Like things that might've, uh, might've been, your, I call them your errors. Mm. What are the errors? I should yes. be smarter. I should yes. be younger. I should be thinner. <sighs> I should be fitter. Is that err? And which are the thoughts that bring you breath into your life, which are the thoughts that we need to actually put CPR into. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of like yeah. growth and fixed mindset. It's not, it's, it's not this or that, it's this 
And the power of that beautiful word, that. The transformative. I know. Power of and. And the perfectionist doesn't see the power of and mm. when it's detrimental to our joy and our future, we see it black or white, good or bad, success or failure, hit or miss, and not recognizing that even in the misses, there's data, even in the rejection, there's research. Mm. And this is, and again, what's so challenging about this is that bumper sticker, right? That nothing that challenges you, you only grow through change and challenge and, oh, and it's so true. And it's so true. So, and I think, you know, for many years, as women especially, and for men, we have this badge of honor of being the one who worked the hardest to show up the latest. And I know that's kind of history now. We recognize the importance of sleep, but we often think we're the only one, it's the imposter syndrome, the only one dealing with this pain because it feels so subjective. It's like, well, this is, we kind of know it's not real, but it feels so real. And there is a realness to the results, whether it's going to move us forward to life of our dreams or the very thing, Judy, we think perfectionism is going to do to us, mm. for us, make us more successful. It actually can separate us from our success because yeah. perfectionism doesn't allow room for collaborator, uh, yeah. collaboration. It doesn't allow us room to say, I don't know how to do this. Yes. So we are in a vacuum and, mm. you know, great ideas die in isolation and thrive in collaboration. So many of the women I speak to who think they're at their, you know, the height of their career, I'm like, mm, I invite you to consider what if this is just the bench, this is the midway mark. But if you actually eased up on the perfection, Ugh. not easing up on your drive, your ambition, your, your future goals, my guess is you actually probably be more successful because you'll be more approachable, you'll be more in collaboration, people are gonna trust you and like you more, and so that's the beginning of the conversation that we could have. Oh my God, I love it so much. It's so exciting to me to think about like the best is yet to come. Like it could be very possible that the coolest thing in your career, one of your favorite people that hasn't even come into your life yet. And when you work in silos and you beat yourself down with perfectionism and you're, you're scared to share your light and your mistakes and your flaws and your failures with the world, you are going to miss out on those opportunities. And honestly, Petra, like I had spent most of my life because I grew up in an environment with a, a really um, um, a, a mother who isn't mentally well. And so so my way to control, keyword there, control my environment, because really perfectionism is, perfectionism is control, trying to control the uncontrollable. My way of controlling that chaos was trying to be perfect. So I was the perfect student and the perfect um, uh, speech meet girl, and I'd win gold ribbons, and I was the perfect this and the perfect this, and um, it became exhausting. And it wasn't until I met the improv theater uh, and really started to learn the improv mindset that I started to realize what you just said, this notion that we have to collaborate. We have to be able to fuck it up. We have to be brave enough to look stupid and to be silly and to press send. So let's talk about a story in your book that I love so much. It's on page 37 and it was one of your clients. You do workshops and, uh, you know, of course, work as a keynote speaker and create so much beautiful content. And there was um, a, a, a woman by the name of Julie that I believe came to one of your workshops or as a client you worked with. I, I may have that right or wrong, but the moral of the story is a story. So uh, Julie uh, found herself in this space that she knew it was time to sort of shake up her life. Um, she had come to realize that for the past two years, she had been, this is big, 
This is so me. And sometimes me right now. And this is why I was like, dude, I am doing this right now in my business. Okay. So what Julie came to realize was that for the last two years, she had been trying to do things the way she thought other people wanted her to do things. She had put so much weight into other people's ideas, desires, and needs. She had lost sight of who she was and what she had been hired to do. And what you can't see right now is in purple, or sorry, in pink highlighter, I wrote, oh my God, me, right next to that. So then Julie decided enough was enough. She was gonna do it her way. She dug deep and took the leap and did what she believed was best for her company. And very quickly, everything changed. Her colleagues, and this is big, began to tell her that she seemed like a completely different person. Her boss stopped micromanaging and she uh, left to create and finish two very important projects by being herself and no longer looking to other people for secret clues. She finally went to her skills, her strengths, and the experience she had inside herself for the answers. Um, of course, while asking for help if she needed to. Fear is not the culprit. It is how you respond to the fear that will be your deciding factor. And so much of this involves trusting yourself. What a great story, Petra. I really loved that. And I am guilty of that a lot. Constantly asking for advice instead of trusting that inner knowing, that deep divine knowing that that is always inside of me. Yeah. One of my favorite things, I don't remember where I heard it, Judy, was uh, first feelings are always better than second opinions. Oh my gosh, say that again. First, first feelings are always better than second opinions. And mm. we, we, we've been questioning our inner, our inner guide for so long that we don't know how to listen to her anymore. And I say the longest distance you or I will ever travel is from our head to our heart. <laughs> and it's only yes. when our head and our heart can align that we can do the great work. And it's not that we don't know how to, it's that we have forgotten how to. And like with Julie's story, um, Judy, people often ask me, well, have you gotten over perfection? I said, it kind of shows up in different ways now. But here's the thing, when you go for your goals, you're gonna be have different challenges. You're gonna, and that's what happened with Julie. She got elevated to an incredible position in an incredible company. And underneath all of that was one thought. Mm. I don't really deserve this. Uh, I am not worthy. Found out. Yes, I'm worthy. I'm the imposter. Mm. And so for that reason, she didn't have the ability to say, I don't know how to do this. Because then in her mind, and in many in my mind, when I do the same thing, if I say I don't know how to do this, all it means is, well, there's more proof that I didn't belong here anyway. Um, see, I told you I wasn't worthy of this. See, yes. I told you I wasn't smart enough. See, who am I to be here? Yes. One of the things I've been writing in my, uh, we have a, a planner, it's called the Vibe and Thrive Planner, and it blends mental wealth with high performance habits. And I, I challenge the user to use uh, power statements, 10 I am power statements every morning. So every morning you're, I am this, I am healthy and wealthy. I am worthy of whatever. And one of the things I am writing down every morning, and it's helping me solve this exact problem, I am worthy of success. I am worthy of wealth. I am worthy of running a multi seven figure business. I, you know what I mean? A, we are raising our hands. You like a men speak it, believe it because you have to, you have to believe it. And, um, I, I could so relate to that. And I think that's a beautiful way to sum up that story. It's so important. And so many of us women suffer from it because no one teaches us how to be successful. <sighs> Judy, I'm like, you. I grew up 
you know, my father was an alcoholic. So yes. I was busy controlling, like, well, if I'm the perfect dance major yes. and if I'm the perfect girl and I have to say the wrong thing. And if, I've always got this false idea of control because you know that's an illusion yes. um, I was trying to control the chaos of the inside mm. by appearing perfect on the outside the challenge is it doesn't allow us to to grow and collaborate like we had mentioned before and I think what's so important here is that as as we grow as females it's not that it's not going to be there. It's what we decide to do with the feelings when they arise. Yes. And again, no one's, I, I grew up in this blue collar town where you're taught like, Ooh, who are you to be successful? Who oh, do you yes. think you are? Don't get too big for your Same. bitches. Tall poppy syndrome. So when people, I say, what are you afraid of? Some people say, I'm afraid of failure. And on the other side of that, people say, I'm afraid of success. Because mm -hmm. then what are people going to say, say about me? Well, who does she think she is? And it's, I'm with you. I'm like, I'm learning to uh, my money stories. OMG, yeah. my self-worth stories. Uh, yeah. And you know, I've been at this for a while. I teach yeah. this stuff. I study this stuff. And it's when we can look at it, go And I like the word, um, this might, it's not like improv, but instead of judging our thoughts, I just go, oh, that's an interesting thought. I love so that. Instead of going up, like, oh, Petra, because you're speaking on this stuff. You can't even get your own life together. You're, known, you're, you're a hot mess. I, I can relate. <laughs> you know, well, that's an interesting thought. I wonder why I'm having that. And then through the lens of self-compassion, which we are so good at as women giving to others, yes. we are not good at giving that to ourselves. We can then sit with the feelings. If we're beating ourselves up, like, oh my gosh, I listened to this great podcast with Judy and I've got all these tools, but still, why am I feeling like I should be a perfectionist? Instead of going, ah. Oh, that's interesting. It gives us space to sit that. with what is that thought that's triggering that feeling that's stopping me from stepping out into the world in a big way. So beautiful and a perfect segue to a thought that I think a lot of us have, and I think it's dangerous. You write on page 40 of your book that there is a big difference between having a thought and being a thought. So an example, you can make a mistake, but that doesn't mean you are a mistake. So I am curious, Petra, how a recovering perfectionist deals with mistakes and failures because they are certainly unavoidable. So you, as you're building your career and doing things outside of your comfort zo zone to activ activate joy in your life, how are you dealing with, as a recovering perfectionist, the failures that are bound to happen in your life? Any tips? I, yeah, I think... <laughs> I think it's separating, first it's two parts. It's separating who we are mm. from what we do, which is hard, especially so hard. for many of us who are our business, we show up and if we are being judged, it feels like it's not just our work, it's the, our essence Us, because it's really who we are. And there's a couple of, I love this quote by Seth Godin. It's oh. to be remarkable which we all are, means you will be remarked upon. Oh, I love that. All the hail good. Seth. All hail Seth. I know. The <laughs> He's got the best one-liners. I know. Uh, the good and the not so good. Yeah. And so for me, it's it's real. It's rethinking what does failure mean to me? And for me, at this point in my life, Judy, it took me a long time to get here. Failing and not trying are two different things. For me, the only failure right now is not trying. Because what, who gets to tell us what that finish line looks like? And when we make so much of it about the perfect destination, the perfect goal, the perfect keynote, the perfect idea, the perfect date, yes. we make that our idea of success. 
instead of who we are. So that's that old saying of, you know, life is a journey, not the destination, but it's so true. It's who are we becoming through the successes, through the failures, through the wins, through the losses, through the highs, through the lows. And then how can we connect our story to others to help them? So look, failure hurts. Like when things don't go great, it sucks, but it's able to look at that and go, what can I learn from it? And so when we separate ourselves from a perceived failure, let's say. So let's say I did a keynote, for example, and it didn't go like I had wanted. Many years ago, I'd gone, well, that sucks. See, I shouldn't be on this stage. I know I'm not worthy. And it would actually probably paralyze me for like three to six months. And I probably (laughs) pulled my resume off the speaker. Like, I'm done. It's over. It's (laughs) over. I'm done. Now, if it doesn't go as well as I would have liked, I can separate and I look at what worked great. Yes. Keep that into version 2.0. What needs to be tweaked ever so slightly? Okay, let's tweak that. Let's revise that. Maybe change the order. And we'll bring that into iteration 2.0. And then what just didn't work? Okay, that joke was not funny. They didn't laugh. That bit was not good. And we'll leave that in the past. Yes. Perfection doesn't allow us to learn it's black or white. Well, that suck. I'm going to throw that whole talk away. Yes. And there's so much great stuff in there. So it's a learning to look at it through the lens of compassion. What went great? What could be tweaked? What can let go of? Again, like I mentioned before, there's so much data in the stuff. Perfection doesn't have a lot to teach us. We don't learn in the perfect moments. We learn in the moments that suck. And it sucks that I have to say that. <laughs> but when we can learn, like we look at our perceived failures, I'm putting that in air quotes, because again, If you're trying, you're already winning. Yes. But if you didn't hit it out of the park in the way you had hoped, when we can separate ourselves from the action that we did or the talk or the date or whatever, and just look at it through the lens of learning um, so we can move our our next iteration into Mm. a more powerful version of what we hope to offer, there's always lessons. There's always lessons. And, And just to say, it still sucks. For those of you listening, it's still painful. It still sucks, but make sure you're measuring the right metrics. A hundred percent. I am always telling, uh, certainly the women that follow me, um, go go back and just take a little scroll through my YouTube channel. Go back and scroll two years ago and take a look at my Instagram. You know, I leave all that up on purpose. I want people to be inspired by and see the evolution. And that is a a place of recovery for me because the perfectionist in me sees, oh my God, that's an early talker. Look how horrible my double chin. What was I wearing? Why do I look like that when I laugh? And you know, the things we do. And I think this is a really beautiful segue to something we have to talk about because us women are so hard on ourselves. And I, I was just joking to a, a, a friend this morning on the phone. I said, listen, I can read all the comments. People are going to say things. People are going to agree, disagree, whatever. Right. But no one is ever going to be as hard as on me as I am to myself. Right. This, this, this mean girl that lives in my head is already telling me enough bad stuff. So the things strangers say on the internet sort of rolls right off my shoulder because no one's as mean as to myself as I am, and I'm working on that every day. So let's talk about women and beauty. I mean, you have a background. You were on billboards. You were uh, a very um, famous fitness uh, ce- icon and celebrity. I'm going to call you an icon because I'll it's incredible, it. and you earned that, and you worked really hard for that, and you have lived your life very publicly and on camera, and in a in a world that filters everything these days, um, the pressure 
for women to remain, air quotes, forever young um, is, is really toxic and really dangerous and super exhausting and does not help the recovering perfectionist. So there's some stats you put in your book on page 98. So check this out. Only 4%, oh, this is so sad. Only 4% of women around the world consider themselves beautiful. Only 11% of girls globally are comfortable with just describing themselves as beautiful. 72% of girls feel pressure to feel beautiful and be beautiful. 80% of women agree that every woman has something about her that is beautiful, but they cannot see their own beauty. And 54% of women globally agree that when it comes to how they look, they are their own worst critic. Listen to what I just said about myself reviewing tape of myself. So what are some ways you have healed yourself, Petra, from the anxiety around aging? And let me, I think I know this from reading your book. Are you 50? 50? I'm 57. God love you, woman. I'll have what she's having. Um, okay, amazing. So 57 for context. Okay, you guys, um, talk to us about how you're aging gracefully. You certainly are, but I know it's not easy. And I'm 44 and already feeling the effects of, um, of it. And, you know, yeah, it's tough. It's tough. Yeah, it's tough. It's one of those last isms, right? Ageism, mm, especially ageism. for women. And yeah, and we don't talk about it, mm. um, but it's it's everywhere. And I love, you know, I love when I talk to women in their thirties, going, "I feel so old, but don't even get me started." Do you know what? And do you know what I say for my in my talk? So I tell the story of uh, Second City. So when I took improv, I was thirty when I went to my first ever improv class. So it's one of my signature stories, and I make the joke. I'm like, you know, I was thirty, and I literally, Petra, sincerely thought I was too old. I I quit and didn't go back two years later at thirty two because I was afraid. And so I have all that. I go, where my thirty year olds at and I make them all raise their hand and I'm like you little whippersnappers I'm like you are just getting started like to me 30 feels like baby um but I literally felt ancient so you have a great point people at 30 are like I'm old and I'm like oh honey you are just starting yeah so I think what I was what was in my career Judy I'm so blessed social media was not around oh, this is tough. we're talking VHS tapes you yes know, I remember those tapes yeah so I don't I've often sat with some fellow colleagues of mine who were well known in the industry at the time and I don't know how my career would have taken a different turn if it would have all my experience of it had to be in social media at the time because what happened then like I was on stage in front of thousands of people mm -hmm. but we got to experience the moment in person no cameras and then it was done yeah. and then to have so I was allowed to make mistakes and it wasn't you know put across the internet right. and so we talk about perfection now I'm kind of okay with it now because hey, look COVID taught us anything the world is not perfect. Mm. However, aging has always been a challenge for me. Not no, I, I take that back. Since like my 40s, 45 in the fitness industry, that's why I pivoted out to speaking because I did not want to be the oldest one sweating for a living. Yeah, and yeah. then the more I spoke to women around perfection, the other side of it was, am I too old to get started? Am I too old to be relevant? I was like, oh my goodness. So here's what I say, take your pain, turn it into your purpose and hopefully make a profit. So right now my biggest pain was, is not perfectionism, it's getting older. I'm mm -hmm. gonna be, 
I'm going to be 60 in two and a half years. Here's the thing. I learned to DJ at 55. I I love that about you. (laughs) Thank you. I became a digital nomad at 57. I'm going to live the possibility because we get to decide. So many women say, am I too old to get be relevant? I'm like, you get to decide. So that's my next chapter of my next book is, because if you look at the way I, the way I deal with it, Judy, to come back to your question, I put it up front and center. Cool. I'm going to talk about it. I'm starting my YouTube channel. I'm not waiting yes, for it to be perfect. Do it, do it, do it. Um, so that was, I put it up front and center. Guess what? I get to say, I get to speak about age before you get to comment on my age. You get to own the story. You own the narrative. Get to own the story. So I'm interviewing women right now. I interviewed a woman two months ago who was 99. Mm. Um, I'm interviewing some amazing rock climbers. She was like 56. I'm interviewing this is women. This to be big, Petra. I, I think so. Because women lean into that. Because this is one yes. of those, like the imposter syndrome. I'm not perfect enough. The age conversation. And I look for, I look. I'm not silver sneaker. I'm, I'm, f- I'm thoroughly offended that I got the AARP card in the I mail. I know, it's so I'm offensive, thoroughly, that stuff showing so up. Offensive. <laughs> but I don't see anyone on YouTube my age living out loud in a way that I can relate to. There's yeah. beautiful women doing amazing things, all talking about how to stay looking young. Yeah. I don't want that conversation. I want to have a different, not, not saying that I'm going to do a little bit of Botox and get the little sure, judgment-free zone. Yes. Yeah. And my first YouTube, I'm going to say it here, Judy, to hold myself accountable. It's going to be, I have 16 months to talk myself out of a neck lift. Oh. <laughs> and then for the subscribe button, I'm going to go, please subscribe so we can get sponsored. So if I do have one, it's going to be sponsored by there YouTube. There you go. That's cool. Just it. I love it. Own it and and be playful and have fun with it. I think that's what it's all about. When I was on your website, so I was investigating you and I was, you know, obviously reading your book and um, knew I wanted to have you on the podcast. And then when I, I believe it's on your website, uh, when I saw that you were DJing, I was like, how... How do I love her even more? You know, that's one of my secret dreams. Like I, it is on my list to learn how to do a turntable. I love hip hop music. I've, I grew up in a very urban environment. Always, it has influenced a lot of my life and my work. Um, and so it's been one of my dreams and you're doing that. And you're coming to me from an Airbnb. So you are a digital nomad, meaning what does that mean? Like you're just out, like, where does the wind take you? Like, where are you living right now? What city? I mean, this is like, I'm drooling with jealousy over here. This is incredible. So what happened is, you know, COVID hit. I was in New York playing Ridiculous Rent. And I love New York. It'll always be my, yeah. it'll be my heart, my home. So on December 1st, I sold everything. I got a tiny storage unit to put some of my favorite things in there. Um, often mementos from my mom and stuff. Sold mm-hmm. everything, put it in a storage unit in the Bronx. Went to my sister's, which was a really safe space for a month. Went to a friend's in Cali for a month. That was safe. So Utah, I'm in Salt Lake City right now for a month, interviewing some rock climbers and some other women I know. One of my friends um, who had a stroke two years ago and decided she was going to bring herself all the way back. So I'm in here and then I'm heading out to New Mexico. I'm going to drive down to New Mexico. And then I have no idea, Judy, where I'm going to be in I May. Cannot I cannot with this. I do, though. Like I have a one-way ticket. This is where I'm going to go international. Because then here's the blessing. Here's the blessing in the, in the things that don't go perfectly. So I had a one-way ticket to Argentina. Um, Judy, I was meant to do that um, in January. When I got to Utah, this was the first time in an Airbnb. I had no real friends here. I really... I couldn't get into the Airbnb. I couldn't figure out the lockbox. I needed a car. It was, I was two days, so about anxiety. Yes. I wanted to crawl out of my skin. And I was thinking I was gonna have that lesson in Argentina. So this has been a blessing. 
great. But, and I have a one-way ticket to Thailand, November 3rd to Bangkok, flatbed, 80,000 mile ticket. I am getting it. Then this conversation goes global because it has to be a global conversation because I love the US, but we're so messed up about aging. So yes. I'm going to go to Asia. I'm going to go to South America. I'm going to go to place Europe. to go to Thailand, the women yeah. out there and to hear, to get into their minds and their head and to hear some of their healing rituals and yeah. what they do for their skin and how they nourish their body. I mean, I can't wait. I mean, Petra, you are, you are 57 years old and you are just getting started. You're doing more than 20 year olds are and it's incredible and one of the messages i'm picking up is live your life go go now and whenever you can do it do it and and your life is going to ebb and flow and you know you don't have small children and you're able to have some flexibility so if you have that in your life go do it but it doesn't mean that that doesn't come without some planning and preparation you've had to be prepared and let the perfectionist ways go to be able to improvise this this lifestyle you're living yeah and People look at me and go, oh my gosh, there's so much freedom in that. And I want people, because this is what we do, right? We compare our highlight reel to everyone's of backstory. Course. You know, we got our backstory, then, oh, well, Petty's got this freedom, and then why am I not doing that? And da, da, da. And there's loss on the other side of this. Yeah, sure. I am single. I thought I was going to be in a forever relationship five years ago. I thought right. I was going to be a bonus mom. So with, with great things happening, there's also often great loss. Yeah. So again- yeah, and there's nothing, it's, I think having a family and being settled is gorgeous. That was not destined for me, that this is something that's been given to me. It's like one of those dreams that I just, if I don't do this, it'll be the biggest failure ever. I have no idea how it's gonna turn out. I have no expectations. I've already like freaked out at least five times going, are you crazy? And you know it's right. this, this would be my failure. This I would be your regret, your regret. And that for me, Judy, is where this comes. The power of and where perfectionism can really hold you back. Mm -hmm. Do you want to live a life of your dreams or leave this life with regrets? Because one of the top regrets of people as they pass on is, I wish I'd lived a life true to my dreams versus a life that others had expected of me. Damn. But that's my goal. Damn yeah. right, and you're out there doing it, and uh, it is your calling. It is, it is, it is the the gift you were you were destined to receive. Um, and I love that you are answering that calling. And as you go to Thailand and talk to women, uh, certainly in Thailand and Asia and beyond, about um, how they age um, gracefully and beautifully, I think one of the things that I've really taken a look at, um, and one of the things I have to talk to you about before we get off the line here is this notion of, of alcohol and its role in our vibration, our energy, our inner beauty, and our, our sense of playing small. And I, as the, as of recording this, this podcast episode, I've been 76 days alcohol free. And it's honestly been a little bit long. Thank you. A little bit longer than that, because I only drank, uh, four times, four, had four drinks in, in December. I really started thinking thinking about this in December. Um, so in the last three and a half, four months, I've had four drinks. So that's incredible considering for a, a decent amount of time, I was an everyday drinker. So I heard from a little birdie, uh, and you confirmed it, that you are sober. Um, you are alcohol-free, however you define that and identify. I'd love to talk to you about that. How, how has that amplified uh, the quality of your life, um, your beauty inside and out, and certainly how you how you vibrate at high levels? Thank you. Yeah, it's so interesting, Judy. Like I was, my dad was an alcoholic, but I never was a big drinker. I'd be like maybe a glass of wine here and there. 
I had two things when I walk past Beacon Winery like every day and I'd be like, oh, do I have wine in the fridge tonight? I, would, I was like, so I was like, oh, do I have the glass of wine or does it have me? But mm. I was never, I never had hangovers, but I wasn't sleeping great mm. and it would wake me up. So there was that. And then what happened is Memorial Day two years ago, I was at a friend's house and everyone was drinking a lot. So I maybe drank a little bit more than I normally do, maybe two glasses of wine. And I came back to New York and I was depressed. Mm. The booze blues, I I called it. The booze blues. And so I just thought, let me just try and get, let's try a month again and just see. And then then I read an amazing book called Our Naked Mind. Yes, I read that Changed everything for me. And so what happened is now almost, it'll be two years in um, this Memorial Day. And I think what it is, we talk a lot in the fitness industry about keystone habits. What is that one thing that if you change, you could get a hold of it and have such a ripple effect and in the back of my mind Judy it was like it's that glass of wine it's that glass of wine and I don't think I would be doing what I'm doing now if I had not taken that path and there's no judgment here. and I'm not saying that when I go to Greece I'm not going to have a glass of beautiful Greece wine on the beach you know mm-hmm. however this is the thing that came to me am I doing am I doing wine to numb the experience or am I doing wine to add to the experience bring joy to it yeah and so if if, if a glass of wine is going to add to the experience of course I'll have it I I'm so clear I might for me more than anything it's my mood I am I'm a very joyful person but I I was having little dips and especially when COVID happened I'm like Ooh, I'm not going to mess with this mindset. I'm not going to mess with this. And I've never felt more clear. I've never slept more soundly. I've never been more even keeled. And it makes me better able to deal with any anxiety. Because when, when it comes up, I can really sit with what it is. And in the past, I would have numbed it. Oh, that's, unco- that's really too uncomfortable. Let's just take the edge off with a half a glass of wine. So good. Yeah. Uh, Holly Whitaker writes in her book, it's a book called We Are the Luckiest, and it's about living um, a sober life, an alcohol-free life. And she wrote, drinking, she drank, you know, most of us drink to numb or to escape. Um, and if you're doing that, that's when you really need to take a look at it. And if it's bringing you joy, that glass in Spain, great. Uh, but she wrote, you know, drinking alcohol is like pouring gasoline on your anxiety. And that's what it was doing for me. I was thinking that it was, you know, making me more even kill, but really it was stressing me out. So I just had to ask you about it. I, I love to hear that. And uh, I'm certainly cheering you on. And please toast me when you have that glass of wine in Greece. <laughs> well, pour a little out for me, no doubt about it. Um, before I, I, I let you get back to your beautiful day, I've got to ask you five fun questions, kind of okay. a rapid fire. Okay. So I'm dying to know, do you have like a go-to morning ritual, anything you do every morning? I don't, and the, but when I do, the best thing for me is really literally 10 minutes of meditation. I go, I go in and out of that. That's my next habit I need to get better at. I'm the same. When I do it, I feel better, but it's hard. Yeah, oh, yeah. so that I really don't in the way that I should. Because I know I know owning your mornings is the best thing. I'm working on that. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit imperfect when it comes yeah. to that. You're awake and aware to it. I love that. And yeah. I love that a recovering perfectionist, everybody just hear what she said. She doesn't have a perfect oh my God, magical morning routine. And look at, she's thriving, but you are owning your morning in the sense that you, you know, do you wake up and jump right into email? Do you wake up and jump into your phone or do you just give yourself the space of like moving through that morning routine? For a while, I really got very, I'd always get a cup of coffee. I'd just sit. I I might read the New York times on my computer because I don't have TV. Um, But 
Yeah, and unfortunately, the past month, I have been a little too quick to my phone, and I feel the, <laughs> difference. Feel the difference. I feel the stress because I'm taking on everyone else's inbox. Yes. So I've got to re thank you for asking me that question, Judy. That's your homework. Get and that's, that's, that's my hard work. You're yes. on a 30-day email, no email before 9 a.m., Got it. Detox. Okay. I'll and come watch back to your morning changes. I okay. swear it's a game. It's a game changer. Okay. Uh, you, this is going to be a good one. And I know there's probably a lot you've received. What is like the best piece of advice you've ever received? Is there anything that calls at your heart? Yeah. I, it was a woman called Jen Miller, who I met right where I was doing my Reebok career. And she said, don't ever lose your name for the sake of a brand. Whoa. What is she, what, what does she mean by that? Because I was about to start a 10-year contract with Reebok and mm -hmm. I could have gotten lost by Reebok. And the, at mm -hmm. some point, Reebok disappears. But what I, by, because she had told me that, every time I was presenting at a convention, I would ask the convention owner, can I also do a presentation under my own name? Mm -hmm. And they would say, well, yeah, Reebok's paying for you, but we're not going to pay. I said, I'll do it for free. So that way, Judy, I had Reebok, I was being elevated by Reebok, but people also knew Petra Colbert. Really? So that when Reebok went away, people knew who I was. Really? And it was the best piece of advice. Little did I know they were bothering my name with hers because mm. she was kind of navigating her contract at the time. And she was so generous to share that. Do not sacrifice your own name for the sake of a brand. Because we are the brand. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. That's so beautiful. We are the brand. And I can relate that to even what's going on now in business and entrepreneurship. I always tell uh, folks that I work with and people who want entrepreneurial advice, your business is not Instagram and your Facebook page. You do not own that. You have to have a home base. You have to be building a list. You have to have a community that lives outside of these platforms because just like Reebok could go away, just like the pandemic can take a lot of things away. Mark Zuckerberg could decide tomorrow that Instagram goes bye-bye and there goes all your content. So are yeah. you backing it up? Are you thinking about bringing your tribe off of those platforms and into your community? And so I love that that segues into something really important for us even today. Um, what about a book? What's your favorite book? I have to say that Naked, the, the Our Naked, Naked Mind, Mind by Annie Grace would be the number one. Um, and I love also by Pema Children, When Things Fall Apart. That's a toughie, but it's so good. Yeah. And I just listened to Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey. I can't wait for that. Is it good? Oh, it's so good. I would recommend Audible. I'm not, I love the book. Yes. I love it. It was, it's the only Audible book I've gone from start to finish. He's such a great storyteller. It's absolutely brilliant. So many great life lessons. Highly recommend Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey. Okay. Yeah. I can't wait. I did uh, Alicia Keys audiobook, more of myself. And it was beautiful. And it's the same, like she's an artist. And so she opens every chapter with her on the piano and you literally uh. hear from Oprah and like Mile, uh, who else? Um, Michelle Obama, like very, Jay-Z, like they come on and read and tell stories. So yeah, I'm with you. Green light and uh, more of myself by Alicia Keys. Throw that one in too. Okay, two final questions. Have you bought anything? I know you're kind of a digital nomad, but have you bought anything in the last six months that's yes. under $100 we need to yeah. know about that you love? I've got three things and I bring oh, you three things. Okay, okay, where's my notebook? So this is a fillable, refillable Keurig coffee, love those. Uh, coffee thing because most of the Airbnbs have Keurig and I like, I'm a cheap ass, I'm, I'm a Brit. So I want to put my own coffee versus using Keurig cups. Uh, That's one. I love those Keurig coffee pods. Yes. Yeah, yes. The refillable ones. Refillable. Your own coffee. Refillable. Then I actually brought a prop. I bought just last week. I broke down. It's a bamboo neck pillow bamboo. because neck. if my neck hurts, I cannot think. And yeah. this Airbnb, as lovely as it is, that oh. pillows suck. So this was okay. a 40 
dollar neck pillow. Okay, we'll link up. We'll find it and link up in the show notes. Okay. Yes, and a gym and this body butter by Lalicious because I can't fly with perfume and it's just enough scent to make me feel at home. And I'll send you the link to that too. It's so cozy. Oh, it's so good. I wish I could smell it right now. That's amazing. (laughs) Especially when you're traveling, traveling, things that make you feel like home are are important. Okay. Last but not least, and I can't wait to hear your answer to this because I know you have a background in theater and performance, and I know you love these two words as much as I do, but the name of this show is Yes And. And when I offer those two words to you, what comes up? It's yes to your dreams and then taking the action to get ready for your dream. Because so many of us are waiting to be perfect, waiting till we know it to go for our dream. So if we wait till we think we have it all dialed in, it's never going to happen. You have to say yes and then get ready for your yes. I know this is what you talk about all the time. And this is how I got over my anxiety and my panic attacks. I said yes to an opportunity before I knew I was ready. And then I had two weeks to get ready. So if you if we wait till we think we're ready for our dream life, we'll be waiting forever. Yeah. So say yes to your dreams and then do the steps you need to do to show yeah. up for them. The and is the unlock to every oh, yeah. you want. And, you know, I, I really believe that that yeah, the and is Batman and yes is Robin, right? I think- Oh, I like that. I've never yeah. heard that before. I yeah. love that. The and is is really where the magic lives. So Petra, you are uh, such a light, such a gift, and I can't wait to stay in touch with you. And I'm so grateful uh, our listeners get to hear from you and everyone run and grab her beautiful book called The Perfection detox. We'll link up to Petra in the show notes. Where's your favorite place? I know you're on Instagram. Tell us a little bit about how Fear Boss is and the, and the folks that listen can find you. Where okay, do probably you- actually, probably Facebook. Actually, I do more interaction on Facebook and Instagram. It's just my name, Petra Kolber. My journey and my storytelling, my pictures will be on Instagram. The longest stories will be on Facebook. And one of these days I'll be up on YouTube, Judy. So when we follow you and sign up for your newsletter and all the good things, we'll we'll know about all that when it's time. But listen, yeah. you are you are such a gift. Thank you for the gift of your time. Everybody run and get this book. Follow this incredible human being. And Petra, I thank you sincerely for being so perfectly imperfect. Okay, I hope you loved that conversation with Petra as much as we loved making it for you. Can you even with her? I, I I can't. It was so good and so juicy. So I cannot wait to read your comments and see your posts all about it. Let me know what you thought of this show, this episode, this topic. Uh, make sure you show Petra some love. Give her a follow on Instagram. Grab her book, all the things. And As always, talk to me on Instagram, send me a DM and let me know what you think about this episode. I love seeing your posts and do not forget, you can record me a voicemail to say hello, to share feedback and to get your question featured on the air with me in the monthly Ask Judy episodes. You could also always send an email to me anytime at hello at judyholler.com. Either way, I love hearing from you. So thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing with your buds. Thank you for reviewing. And until next week, keep saying yes and stay brave.